responses and so many flavors and so many uh, rhythms and so many heights and so many lows and that God uses to bring out and to bring forth to our life the things that are necessary for us to live for him. And here in Ezekiel, the fourth verse of the first chapter, he says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it. And out of the mist thereof as a color of amber, out of the mist of the fire, also out of the mist thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. That is the first thing that he denotes. He had the likeness of a man. And then in verse 6 it said, And every one had four faces. The likeness of a man, and every one had four faces. Well, I have seen a few two-faced men, <laughs> but never four-faced. But the first thing he says is they had the likeness of a man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. That doesn't sound much like a man yet to me. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. Still not much likeness to a man to me. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. They were like brass, that is, being heated in a furnace and that's still not much sounding like the likeness of a man. Verse 8. And they had the hands of a man. Now I can, I can associate with that. Hands of a man. Under their wings. On their four sides. And they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. Again, back in verse 8, they had the hands of a man under their wings. They had hands under their wings. And I'd like to take a little while here today and talk to you simply about hands and wings. Hands and wings. Whether that we know it or not, let me preface this by just saying to you that it takes both to have church. It takes hands and it takes wings to have the will of God and to see the will of God done. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us here today. Lord, we thank you that you would one more time elevate us into those heavenly places that we may sit 
in the glory of your presence. That again your word will reach our hearts and our lives. Transforming us into that self-same image God. That we should be looking for and focusing on. That image of yourself. That we may be more like you. Once we leave this place. Touch us, lead us, guide us, direct us. Bless this house. This occasion. Right here, right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. The book of Ezekiel opens like no other prophet and the writings of the prophets. It's very unique and very different. It starts out with a bang, so to speak. It's starts with a vision that Ezekiel is beholding and that God is allowing him to envision. And it is nothing less than the throne of God in similitude. And in the presence of the throne of God, then there is a fire that is unfolding itself. And this whirlwind of fire, and in the presence of Almighty God, out of this fire comes these living creatures as Ezekiel denotes them. And he begins to give a description of them, these living creatures that he sees coming out of this fire at the presence and the very proximity of the throne of God. In other words, these are very, very close to the throne. And they were, so to speak, born in the fire and are a product of the fire at the throne of God. And he begins to describe them. And as I have said, that he begins by as probably we would, as being human that we are, we uh, denote things that we recognize quickly, and the things that are the most familiar to us are the things that we first recognize, the things that are strange to us, and the things that we are not uh, commonly associated with. It takes us a while to study those things out, and so it was that when he saw these creatures, he began with the expression they had the likeness of a man. But as you read his detailed account of the description of them, there is very little there that really has the similitude of a man at all. They have four faces, each face representing a different creature. And uh, they are winged creatures not only do they have just two but they have four wings amen that's even unlike the fowls that he's used to seeing with two wings but these have wings that uh, with two they did fly and with two they did cover their face there was something about these creatures that uh, are so unlike a man, But what he says is they had the likeness of a man because no doubt his first glimpse as he surveyed them quickly with his eyesight 
and with his scanning ability of recognition that the first thing that he recognized was the very familiar set of hands that were beneath these wings. I'd like for you to pay close attention to the order of these two things. And that was that they have wings and beneath or on the underside of those wings are the hands of a man. So there were wings and beneath the wings were hands. Amen. Their makeup, these creatures are made up out of the known and of the unknown. They are both heavenly and they are earthly at the same time. It is a composite mix of that which is earthly and that which is heavenly. And there is something that the Lord is is trying to uh, manifest to Ezekiel and to us here today. And that is that these creatures, of course, the tithe of any analogy in the Bible is always Jesus Christ. He is the supreme of all things. That is why Joseph's life is an analogy of Jesus Christ. Amen. But all analogies break down. They are never perfect, but they have the correct similitude in certain ports and certain areas that fulfill the likeness of Jesus Christ. And uh, the height of any analogy, the tabernacle in the wilderness, the supreme type of the tabernacle is Jesus Christ. But also in the tabernacle you also see the church and you also see each individual saint of the church. Amen. Uh, for instance, the walls, 48 golden boards uh, that of uh, Achaia wood that have been overlaid with pure gold, standing 15 foot tall and 24 inches wide, but yet they are uh, in unison, joined together. There's not just one solid wall, but it is a wall that is made up of individual members. Amen. To make a habitation for God. And uh, that is a type of the church. Amen. We are members in particular. And you have a socket, so to speak, to set you in the house of God. Every one of these are set into silver sockets. And silver is a type of redemption. And every one of us are seated, are fitted, are standing upon the redemption value of Jesus Christ. You don't stand here today on your own ability. You don't stand here because you're somebody. Amen. Your place in the house of God is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, everything in that tabernacle, the gold and the preciousness of the jewels and the, the uh, adornment of the uh, blue and purple and the uh, white that is embroidered with all these beautiful uh, angelic figures on the inside of that tabernacle, yet God had required that everything that was there, including all the gold, including all the fabric, including all the utensils, everything there had to be sprinkled with blood. Amen. What God is saying is that all the gold and all the silver you're not redeemed with, but you're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And if you're 
board, so to speak, doesn't have the blood on it, let me tell you, you're in a place to get it applied. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And there's only one way to have your sins remitted, and that is to have the blood applied. And to have the blood applied, you got to repent. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the height of any uh, analogy is Jesus Christ. But then there are subcategories, are are sub-steps to uh, many analogies. And here also the height of the analogy of these living creatures would be in the similitude of Jesus Christ. But also they are a, a, a manifestation of every saint of God that is in the kingdom of God. Because once you receive the Holy Ghost, once that you receive this divine gift of the presence of Almighty God that takes up habitation in your spirit, that you are no longer just the natural person that you were, but you become a composite of the known and of the unknown. So to speak, when you get the Holy Ghost, you get wings, praise the Lord. Amen. But that doesn't mean that your hands disappeared. You're still in this earthly vessel. Praise the Lord. I've seen a lot of people get the Holy Ghost. And I've seen the countenance change. And I've seen as they begin to speak in tongues and glorify God. But you know what? They didn't just come to the place where you could see through them because they become more spirit than they are flesh. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's why if you're still pinchy, you still hurt. Because you're still in the flesh. We do a lot of preaching against the flesh. Rightfully so. But I'd, I'd like to just to make this statement to you. It'd be hard to have church here today without flesh. It would. It'd be real hard. Because every saint of God and the church as a composite and as a, as a unique whole is made up out of the heavenly and of the earthly. It is that which is spirit and it is that which is flesh. Amen. Amen. This balance, this is one of the most important principles that you could ever get into your heart and into your life. This is what many people have misunderstood, especially at the very preface of their experience with God. And that is, now I have the Holy Ghost, therefore all my troubles are gone. Therefore all the, the problems that I've had with my flesh are now gone. Well, it didn't take you long to have a rude awakening, did it? Even though you get the Holy Ghost, and even though, again, so to speak, that you become a creature with wings... That them hands are still there. And finding the balance between flesh and spirit is one of the most difficult things to get into your heart and into your mind. 
God designed this in this world. That there be a composite of earthly and the divine. And that you must learn to find the balance between flesh and spirit in everything you do. That there has to become the place you, that you've heard the expression. They're so heavenly minded and all earthly good. There's a lot of truth to that statement. And there are some people that, that uh, want to become so spiritual that therefore they, they feel like they're no longer in a fleshly body. Well, let me tell you, you've deceived yourself. God gave you this gift in earthen vessels. He did not take away your flesh. He did not even extract from you the desires of the flesh. He did not completely remove out of you, amen, the errors of the flesh and the things that the flesh are prone to. But He gave you something that would give you the victory over. That is why that the, that the noticing of the sectional here is the wings above, hands beneath. The Spirit must be above the flesh. But it does not do away with the flesh. But they must be subjected to the wings. That's why we still need an altar to pray through in. That's why we still need preaching to align our lives to. That's why there still need to be some things that address our flesh through the Spirit. This altar is not just for folks that don't yet know God. This altar is a place for everybody to continue knowing God. Well, praise the Lord. Earthen vessels, balance, that finding that and maintaining that proper balance is life's biggest chore sometimes. Now, Jesus Christ, again, is the perfect example of flesh and spirit. Great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh. Yes, he was. He was the perfect example of hands and wings. Not my will. Not my will. Not this hand here. But thy will be done. It is subjected under the wing. You get out of balance anytime the hands get on top. Anytime the hands get to be the performer on top of the wings. Amen. After a while you're going to find out the wings will disappear. Praise the Lord. But they're always to be underneath the wings. In subjection to the Spirit. That's why Paul said, So fight I. Least at any time I myself should become a castaway. I fight myself or I die daily. You know what he's simply saying? He's saying that I make sure I keep myself beneath the wings. Amen. All of us have those times in our life where that we try and our flesh tries to become predominant and tries to take the position of the wings in your life and begins to claim authority over the spirit. But I'm telling you, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to find out you got to keep those hands beneath the wings. You got to keep them in their correct 
priority position and that is subjected to the spirit and to do that let me tell you you can't do that with pedicate with Jesus sometimes you gotta die out that means my will that means my thinking my way amen it doesn't mean you you can't go to God and say God just rid me of my flesh cause that ain't gonna happen what you need to be praying is God get my flesh under the wings get me back under the place where I need to be Praise God. So great is the mystery of godliness. He is the perfect example of hands and wings. That's why it says, send down thy hand, Lord, and save us. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? His arm hath gotten him the victory, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Praise the Lord. That's why Jesus Christ became hungry. Because there was a flesh aspect of this all man, all God. He is unique in flesh and spirit. That's also why he slept. The God that never slumbers, yet the flesh slept. The God that said if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. God that has need of nothing hungered. Why? Because there was a flesh, flesh aspect of this. If Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh, we wouldn't know any victory. We wouldn't even have redemption because redemption was not wrought by just spirit alone. There was a composite of flesh and spirit that brought redemption to us. You know what hung on Calvary? It was not spirit. You can't hang a spirit on a tree. You can't nail and impale spirit to a cross. But what was impaled there was that body which was flesh. Yes, it was sinless flesh. Yes, it was flesh that had not sinned. No, no God was found in his mouth. But that was the supreme sacrifice. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And that's why he cried out in the midst of that Calvary experience, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Praise the Lord. It's why he also cried out, I thirst. Praise the Lord. And they took a sponge and dipped it in that hyssop and that vinegar and lifted it to his lips. And when he knew what it was, he spit it out. Amen. As he endured the pain of that cross. Amen. You can't injure a spirit. You can't bring to a grave a spirit. But what went into that sepulcher was that body. But you know what Jesus said? Just like if I said, if I take my coat off, I can put it back on. And when he laid it down in that sepulcher on that cold stone, amen, and took it off like so to speak and hung it on a, on a hook, amen, I laid it down and I have the power to take it back up, amen, because he's God, you hear me, he's all God and he's all man, praise the Lord, but he came in flesh so that you would have a great high priest that when you get into a situation with your flesh, you can go to somebody that knows where you're at, what's going on, what's happening in your life, because he has been in the flesh. Praise the Lord. Amen. As the hands he hungered, as the hands he slept, as the hands he became weary from his journey. But as the wings he healed, 
As the wings, he was able to feed the multitude of the 5,000 men of alone. By the wings, he raised the dead to life. By wings, he opened the blinded eyes. Never at one time did these things get out of balance. Not once. But you see, you and I are not God. Amen. We have a time, don't we? Keeping things in their right perspective. And you got to learn to be both hands and wings. Yes. You do. I know we, we preach against the flesh a lot. But like I said, it'd be hard to have church without flesh. God didn't come to take your flesh away. He came to give you victory over your flesh. You can pray from now till the coming of the Lord and say, God, uh, take this flesh away. But that's not going to happen until in a moment in the twinkling of a lie that this mortality shall put on immortality. This, this corruption shall put on incorruption. And then, beloved, amen, we shall see him as he is for we shall, as we rise in that moment of time, there will come a transformation that this flesh is no longer going to be the flesh that we've endured down in this world. But until then... You're going to have to learn how to keep the hands beneath the wings. You've got to learn how to be both. You know, there's, a, like I said, there's a hands and wings aspect in everything about salvation. Yes, it is. You know, uh, our healing that we sometimes come and are prayed for, aren't you glad and thankful for the aspect, if any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church, and they shall anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. To be able to come when your baby's sick and the fever's rising, when the things are not well in your body, to be able to come. You know how you're able to do that? Let me tell you, healing was an aspect of both divine and of the natural, because it says, by his stripes. You don't put stripes on just spirit. You put stripes on a body. And by his stripes we are healed. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Amen. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So it takes both. Matter of fact, this puts in aspect, if you read James, you soon realize that he understood this principle probably like nobody else did. When he made statements like, you know, in the world out there today, in the uh, secular world of so-called uh, Christianity, they like to uh, pronounce that I'm saved by faith. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But they don't. That's right. But they don't. That's right. Or saved by grace. They don't. They don't understand what, what all that is meaning. First off, let me tell you this. Grace doesn't mean that God just closes his eyes and says, do what you want to do. Grace is first and foremost a teacher teaching us how, teaching us how, teaching us how, teaching us how to live soberly and righteously in this ungodly and untoward generation. It teaches us how to keep things in perspective. Amen. So they don't understand what it means. But James had a good, a good uh, ideal and a good revelation of this hands and wings because he said, now let me tell you this. You say you have faith. You say you have faith. 
You can say, anybody can say that. Yeah. Anybody can say, I got faith. And a lot of them saying it, aren't they? Mm -hmm. But he said, I'll tell you what. I'll show you my faith. I'll show you my wings by what my hands are up to. Because you see, the world can't see the wings. But they do see the living epistle of which you are. Oh, yes, they do. Known and read of all men. They don't read the Spirit. They can't see the Holy Ghost in you. What they see is how the hands are in subjection to the Spirit in your life. That's what they see. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. And Paul, or, or uh, James here said, you say you have faith and that you can say that. Anybody can say that. But I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, there is going to be an evidence. There's going to be something that is manifested. There's going to be a very seen element. And it, again, they do not see the wings. That is why, again, God gave you the Holy Ghost in these earthen vessels. That again, when you receive the Holy Ghost, the Acts 1 and 8, you shall be witnesses unto Him. Amen. And those witnesses is not just knocking doors, but it is the life that you live in the flesh through the Spirit. Well, praise the Lord. That's why the Christians are to be manifested by the Spirit of God through you and through your works and through your deeds because he goes on to say faith. The wind. Without the hands are the works is dead. Being alive. Let me tell you, you can't go where God's not. His wings are everywhere. Oh, yes, it is. The Bible said, beholding the good and evil in all places. God's not just in church. He's everywhere. In other words, His Spirit, the, the uh, ethereal Spirit of God is everywhere. Filling all things in all eternity. Amen. Filling everything that there is. It's the evidence of His wings. But there are people sitting in honky-tonks who don't realize God's watching they don't realize that there's wings of flapping near them. Praise the Lord. Amen. There are people that are doing all kind of acts. And that's why, let me tell you, the, the darkness does not hide the eyes of God. Praise the Lord. And just because you're by yourself doesn't mean that you're by yourself. If you know what I mean. That's why the Christians live for God on vacation. That's why they live for God on the job. That's why they live for God wherever they are. Amen. They don't hang their Christianity up on a, a, a hook on going outside the door. Amen. But this is something that you see them in their job. People see them. They see them in the marketplace. They see them with relatives. They see them wherever they are. Amen. As being Christians that are subjected to the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Faith without works is dead. And so there's a God's SOP or standard operating procedure is that it takes wings, amen, and then hands is the way that this works. You try to have church without flesh. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm glad there were some, some uh, fleshly fingers to play the piano. I'm glad there were some fleshly hands to clap together. I'm glad there were some fleshly vocal cords to say, 
praise the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, that's part of uh, you living for God that you can't just, like the old Quakers and the Shakers used to do, the Quakers decided they just didn't want to get in the flesh and so they'd just sit and wait until God did something. Well, they still sit and praise the Lord. Let me tell you that it's time to worship the Lord. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Surely you don't have to get in here and have somebody pump you up and pump you up and pump you up and beg you to worship God, but you ought to come in those gates saying, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, magnifying Him, glorifying Him, and you don't have to feel a thing to do it. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little something about the way sometimes spirit works. Sometimes the hands got to do their part before the wings kick in. Yes, they do. The enemy gathered on the adjacent hillsides and the people of God are cut off in the valley. They're in a dire situation. I mean, number-wise, they've had it. Anybody taking odds on this battle are going to put them as the underdogs way under because they're outnumbered, outdunned, probably outgeneraled as far as fleshly things are concerned. And they go to God and pray, God, deliver us. Mm-hmm. You know, God can do a lot of things. Yes, he can. He's sovereign. He can do it the way he wants to do it. Right. When they prayed, he could have just made all the enemies vanish, poof, and they become vapor and disappear. He could have done that. He's God, but that's not what he did. He said, you boys want the victory? Oh, yes, God. He said, well, go get some shovels. Get you some entrenching tools. And you dig this valley. I don't want just one little ditch. I want a whole bunch of you on ditch detail. You dig this valley full of ditches. You want victory, them hands are going to have to start working. If you want to see me move, you're going to move. Well, praise the Lord. You dig this valley full of ditches. And I'm telling you, because God said it, it didn't make the ground any softer. Because God said it, it didn't mean it didn't break out in sweat. They did. Anybody that's ever dug ditches knows that's pretty, that's why it's got such a bad connotation to a ditch digger. And that's what God said I want you at. I want you digging ditches. Dig ditches. Dig them left, dig them right, dig them everywhere. Dig them, don't make no difference, just dig them. Dig it full of ditches. And when they finish digging them, that's as far as they can go. The hands now curl back up on the wings. We did what you said, God. And then the wings start moving. And a valley filled full of water. Blood red water. And when the enemy looked out in the morning when the sun rose and its its red horizon began to 
uh, simmer across that landscape. All they saw was a valley full of blood. All they saw was what they thought the enemy has already destroyed themselves, cut their own necks, uh, and committed suicide. They're done for. Let's gather up and leave, boys. And they turned around and left that battlefield as God worked a miracle. But let me tell you, that miracle was after some hands dug some ditches. Amen. We're getting to the place sometimes in Pentecost that we want God to move, but we ain't moving. We're getting to the place where that we want to see the glory of God, but we won't do anything on our part. Nobody wants to sweat. Nobody wants to get a little bit of crick in their back. Nobody wants to bend over and double up and move some dirt. Praise the Lord. But let me tell you how the miracles keep coming. That is, we keep moving. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's still some doors to knock out there. There's still some people out there lost without God. Somebody needs to drive a bus. Somebody needs to go talk to somebody. Somebody needs to pass out a track. Somebody needs to keep doing something and then say, God, I've done my part and I know you're going to take care of the rest and let God, you can't just sit down over here and pray in a prayer meeting and say, God just do it and it gets done. He says, I want you moving. And when you move, I'll move. Praise the Lord. You don't think that's so? Let me tell you. That when it came to the crossing of the Red Sea, Moses went to prayer and said, God, what are we going to do? And the people are crying and said, they're going to capture us, carry us back. And God said, what are you crying to me for? So he said, so what are you crying to me for? Get up, Moses, and tell them people to march into the sea. You get them moving, and I'll move for you. Well, praise the Lord. Let me tell you, the Red Sea didn't open up and they said, oh, look, there's a way out of here. But what happened was that the priests with the ark marched into those waters and when they began to leave uh, in that place uh, and when the feet marched down into the water and kept on going, God said, okay, hands doing their part, now it's my time. And he pushed back the waters uh, and made a way across the Red Sea. Let me tell you, God still does the same way. When this church moves, God will keep on moving for you. Praise the Lord. We are fellow laborers together with him. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's the way God does it. Go ahead and check back in your little history book of, of what we call high church or Church where something significantly and the Spirit of God moved. Go ahead and look back. Check it out. It happened when people just sitting there yawning, sitting still, cleaning their fingernails and balancing their checkbooks. And all of a sudden, God just started turning over pews. Would to God he would. But that ain't how it happened, is it? You ain't never had a service and had a move of God where you were not moving. Amen. No, you hadn't, ain't been, never has been, never will be. 
It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout in the Lord with a voice of triumph. Amen. Let me tell you, most all of them, you can look back and see that it sprang out of worship. It sprang out of a fervent prayer. It sprang out of the Word of God and people responding to that Word. You hear me? The key is respond, respond, respond. You can't just come in here and say, God, if He wants it done, He's going to do it. Let me tell you, God wants to save everybody. God wants to give you a touch and a glory of God in every service the reason that it's missed is because we settle on our knees but what happens when you come in and start clapping your hands I don't feel nothing yet but God's still worthy God's still my healer God's still my savior God's still the one that does all things well and when a church begins to know how to worship when it doesn't feel like worship is when you have the power of God Offer him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. You move, and the hands, once they've done their part, the wings will do their part. Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. He's nigh unto death. And Jesus tarried there in that place and Lazarus died. And now days have passed. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, let us rise and go to Lazarus. And they said, well, maybe, you know, they were there when the messengers came. And they said, well, we've tarried all this time, but he must be right to the very brink now for Jesus to go. And so when he realized they didn't understand what was going on. He said plain to them, Lazarus is dead. Their eyes got wide and said, what are we doing? We probably even missed the funeral by now. But they went back. And they got there and one of the sisters runs to meet him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The words is too little too late now. To Jesus Christ. There was a time when it could have been different, but not now. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Praise the Lord. Show me where you have laid him. And they carried him out to the place of the sepulcher. How, again, he being God could have done a lot of things. He could have brought Lazarus through that stone and left it right in place and made him manifest with his life outside of that sepulcher right through the stone if he so desired. But that's not what he did. He just looked around and said, you, you roll away the stone. He could have spoken and had it disappear. He could have made it a flaming comet in the heavens with one word and just. That's right. Boom. That's right. Boy, that's right. They looked around and said, "I need some, I need some muscle here. Yeah. I need some sweat on some brows. I need some energy to expend. You roll away the stone." And brother, I mean, they got up to it. 
I don't, there's probably a lot of talk going on in the background. He didn't make the funeral, so now, even though that he's stinking, he's going to go in there and pay his last respects. Very few people realize what was fixing to happen. I mean, look, everything is just natural going on around here. Men sweating and men rolling that huge stone. It wasn't one ounce lighter than it was when they rolled it. This was rolled up in there to stay there. This was no light object. It was something that the winds would never move. And, and it took many men to roll it into place. It was to seal that place from now on. And Jesus said, you roll away the stone. And he just stood there. He just stood there. Placid and still. Said, you roll away the stone. And when they finished rolling away, it was wiping sweat out of their face and their backs hurting a little bit. As far as these hands can go. Because there's not enough hands in the world that can do anything else to fix this situation. And then he cried out with a loud voice. Somebody rightfully said that if he had not designated who he was calling, that every dead in the grave would have popped open if he would have just said, come forth. But he calls them by name. Hallelujah. And he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And into that tomb, that word of God reverberated. And all of a sudden, he who was dead, he who had been in that grave for many days now, suddenly that the, the tissue that had begun to decompose reinstituted itself. Uh, breath began to come. Recognition back to the mind. The eyes fluttered open. And he hears the reverberation of Lazarus. Come out here. Praise the Lord. And even though he's still wrapped in grave clothes, uh, he goes hopping forth in there. There is a gasp of astonishment of those that were there. Amen. And there is a miracle. You know why? Because the wings are moving now. But the hands had to do their part first. Uh, you want to see some resurrection? You want to see some glory of God? You want to see some power of God? Start moving those stones. Uh, start putting your back into it. Amen. Whatever you hand tries to do, do it with all your might. Come on, put your hands together and praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He's still God, you hear me? Like that song said, he's still Lord today. Praise the Lord. Amen, Lord bless you as you're seated. And then when even that day come out and Lazarus is alive, he then turns it back to them and says, loose him. You, you fellas, loose him and let him go. Go up and get your hands on him and, and take care of this wine and grave clothes and get it off of him and do, do your part here now. Well, the question came up one day and said, when a tax collector came around, he said, does your master believe in paying tribute money? And uh, Peter said, well, if you hold on here, man, I'll go find out. 
And he went to the Lord and said, the tax collector over here wants to yeah. know about tribute money. And Jesus gave a little thing about he is free, is free indeed, but nevertheless, we'll render unto Caesar that which is Caesar. But don't you forget, you render unto God that which is God's. Yeah. In the time when he said, whose image is on that? They said, well, that's, that's, that's Caesar. He said, well, you rendered Caesar that which is Caesar's. And every man there was made in the image of God. They said, you render unto God that which is God's. Hallelujah. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your flesh. And so they said, okay, we settled that now. We, we believe in paying it. Uh, Lord, we got a little problem here, though. Since Judas has probably already emptied the purse by now. Of course, they didn't know where all that went, but uh, yeah. they said, uh, we believe in paying it. We just don't have no money to pay it. Yeah. Now, Jesus could have done, again, several things. He could have just spoken, put the money in Peter's hand. Right. He could have done one better and spoke and made the tax collector disappear. Wouldn't that be great? Just boom, evaporated. One less tax collector. But he didn't do that either. He said, uh, okay, pay the man. Okay, Lord. Uh, how are we going to do that? Explain this to me. Speak real slow. How are we going to pay this man? He said, well, Papa, since you're a fisherman, you need to go fish. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Peter was a fisherman. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't tell him to go build a house because Peter was not an architect and he was not a carpenter. Right. He told him to do something he knew how to do. Amen. That's good. He told him to manage something he knew how to manage. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said, now, go fish. They're not playing cards here either. Right. This Amen. is... Go get you a line, go down to the pier and fish. Yeah. And uh, when, when you catch a fish, not if you catch, but when you catch a fish, yeah. open his mouth and there will be the coin. Pay the man. Man, what a long route to go to get a miracle. That's right. Going, doing what I know to do. Yeah. Go down there and wait patiently. Uh -huh. Dropping that line in and waiting for the nibble and waiting for the bite. I believe it might have took a little while for it all happened like most fishing does. I'm a, I'm a pathetic fisherman. I used to, when I used to subscribe to Bassmaster, I'd get one in the mail in the post office and it rained terrible that day. Just weather turns bad when just the Bassmaster magazine shows up. <laughs> But uh, that's me. They go down there and he's just doing what he knows to do. Yeah. Extending his energy, his expertise, and his ability to snag a miracle. And pretty soon after a while, a fish bit that hook. And he as good fishermen do, crossed his eyeballs and brought him up out of there. 
jerked him up out of there and pried open that mouth, and there was a shiny coin in the mouth. Let me tell you, that was a miracle. The miracle was at the end of doing what you know to do and you're capable of doing. Well, praise the Lord. Let me tell you a little something about what I think about church and the philosophy of church. That, that everything about church, if it ought to have your signature on some things. You know, if you're a painter, there ought to be your signature of paint. If, you, if you're a carpenter, there ought to be your signature of carpenter work around here. If you're a carpet layer, there ought to be some signature of your carpet. If you're a concrete man or if you're a whatever, uh, electrician, whatever, whatever it is, there ought to be some signatures. And not because somebody paid you to do it, but because that, hey, we're working and building together a place where the miracle of God takes place. Uh, amen. God, at the end of this line, you hear me? At me doing what I know to do and how to do. Let me tell you, everybody ought to know how to clap their hands, praise the Lord. That's not complicated. Everybody ought to know how to lift your voice and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, amen. That's why that when we get together and begin to do what we know to do, there's a miracle on the end of the line. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God's not going to ask you to do what you can't do. He's going to ask you to take care of what you know how to do and do it with all your heart. For God. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. It's kind of like that. There's kind of a give and take in this situation of flesh and spirit. Kind of like a trampoline. Now, I'm not a trampoline enthusiast for several good reasons. But I have watched people that didn't know how to do something on them. What are y'all laughing about? It was like a basketball bouncing on a Stop it. I'll tell you how I've watched this as I've learned a little bit by just observation. This way you work it. Crawl up on the side of it and just low crawl out to the middle of it. Lay down on your back and spread eagle and say, trampoline, thrill me. <laughs> Bounce me. I want to see the heights. I mean, there's springs around here, and springs, we know what they do in this, this uh, uh, fabric here that stretch across here. We know what all that's about. And uh, just do it! No, you know better. You walk out there, and if you bounce a little bit, guess what? It'll give you a little bounce back. It's built to respond to your response. It just sits out there all by itself all day long doing nothing until somebody crawls up on it. And if you just want a little bounce, just kind of just bounce a little bit, and that's what you get, and crawl off, say, well, that's, that's all trampolines do. <laughs> no, that's all it did because that's all you did. You want to go a little higher? We'll put a little more energy in it. Right. Amen. Next thing you know, you're, you're way up there. Yeah. And hopefully you come back down in the right spot. But, hey, 
If you understand that principle about trampolines, you all understand it about church. You can't just come in here and put your hands out and say, Do it, Jesus! Just do it, Jesus. Just do it, Lord. Just give us miracles, heal, and bring people to church and, and let it all be done. Just do it, Jesus. We know you got all power. You're right about that. But you know what he's waiting on? He's waiting on somebody to move. He's waiting on somebody to start putting into energy your faith. He's waiting for somebody to put faith into works. And if you want to see the glory in the heights of God, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. Let me tell you, you hadn't seen all that God can do here in this church. You hadn't seen all that God can save and all that God can do. Come on, church. Put in some prayer. Put in some fasting. Put in some worship. And watch God move. Praise the Lord. Amen. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Maybe sitting, I'm closing here today. That's why again, even with the, you know, angels don't, like I said here earlier, angels don't come in here out there by leaves and back in these floors and swab out the commodes. Wings are not going to do that. That's a hand for the hands. That's right. Same it is when it comes to preaching. When a preacher is preaching under the anointing, that is the movement of the wings. But for it to be effective, there needs to be some response in that pew. Let me tell you, if you want to see people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, those unsaved people sitting in the congregation ought to see all around them people rejoicing and believing and backing up the Word of God. Praise the Lord. We're not talking about putting on anything. We're just talking about doing what you know to do. And you'll see that God will always move in behalf. That same thing goes with things even down to holiness, standards, so what. Angel's not going to dress you. They're not going to go shopping for you. But what you put on is going to be what you have buttoned up and put on or cinched up. Right? It's up to you to see how you dress yourself. And when it is taught from a pulpit about the things that are norm and the things that are not norm and the things that are acceptable and the things that are unacceptable then you ought to take note of those and therefore your hands now then refuse the unacceptable and the, that which is not norm and grasp that which is norm and that which is acceptable and pulls it to you Amen. Don't no angel brush my teeth this morning or comb my hair I tell them, brother, I, you know, at my age, I'm getting where the, I tell people in my church, if you miss two services, you're a visitor if you come back because I won't remember your name. <laughs> but here's some time back, I had to go town on Monday morning, got my dress coat and tie and went to town to take care of banking business and whatever and Came back later that evening and walked in the door. My wife looked up and she just started laughing like crazy. I said, what is wrong with you, woman? She said, would you go look in the mirror? 
I went and looked in the mirror and I got up and got dressed and never combed my hair. <laughs> I still had that, of course today out there, probably not that out of norm as I was watching the young lad down there in the motel this morning. I couldn't believe he was sitting there like that. Look like he come in out of a whirlwind. <laughs> and that's the way that they, they fashion it to do that. That stuff ought not be in God's people. That type of junk. But uh, I hope God didn't hold against me because that's the way I looked that day. Still had the pillow press and, the, and uh, whatever else was the uh, cowlicks and all the rest. And I told her, I said, I wonder why nobody kept asking me if it was windy outside. But we, we ought not find ourselves forgetting those things that are, that are right and acceptable in God. And you, 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 you men that are ahead of your household, you need to take a hand with your family. Your children, your wife, something's not acceptable. You don't have to wait till you get to church and the preacher has to stand up and say, you know, uh, th that's not right. We don't go with that. That all been handled at the house. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because you heard what the man of God taught and preached. And therefore, it is your hand that should have went to work at the house. Well, we could just keep on going here with all this, couldn't we? Amen. But I'm so glad that in the midst of this, that the hands, God didn't take our flesh away. He gave us this wonderful glorious gift in earthen vessels but now we must learn to always keep those hands beneath the wings and to do their part as they are required and to let God take care of his own business you can't do God's work anyway what you can do is what you're supposed to be doing praise the Lord so when you pray you pray as, as first off. I don't, I don't know very few people that can just come in from work through all the things that went through and laboring all day and all the cigarette smoke has been blown their way and all the dirty jokes have been told. Just walk in and drop on their knees and start talking in tongues. I know very few people like that. Usually you start out by, oh God. You start out fumbling with your natural words and your natural thoughts and your natural ways of trying to inch your way into the holiest of holies. But, oh, Lord, when you get sincerity behind it, it's not long until the Holy Ghost begins to come and help our infirmity and begins to make groanings that cannot be uttered. And when we are prayed with our... That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, by the way, God takes this natural tongue that speaks a known language and he takes control of it when you've sought him with it and people begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. You don't learn to talk in tongues. You learn to seek God. And when you seek God, don't worry, he'll take care of his part. And all of a sudden you begin to express yourself 
through the Spirit, by the Spirit, in a language that you never learned. Hands and wings. Calvary, the blood that was shed, is saying to you and I today, I know where you are. And I can give you victory over every aspect of your life if you'll just keep subjected to the Spirit. Amen. Would you lift your hands and would you pray and would you begin to acknowledge God here this day as the good pastor comes. Oh, let's stand together with our hands raised. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Oh, let's lift our voices. Let's lift our flesh. Let's lift our hands to heaven's throne. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, we need your spirit. Let your wings overshadow us. Oh, the Bible says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and she conceived. Oh, if we just let the Holy Ghost overshadow us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been struggling with your hands today. You've been struggling with your flesh. You need victory over your flesh. It's only through the Spirit this altar's open today. You want to come pray. You want to get underneath the wings. You want to get underneath the wings of heaven. Oh, God, overshadow me. Overshadow me today. You need the Holy Ghost. You can't make it on your own. Oh, God, we need the Holy Ghost to help us. Oh, you're tired of sin. You're tired of trying to do it on your own power. You're tired of trying to figure it out and trying to trying to maneuver things and trying to get it all worked out by your own abilities and your own hands. And you're frustrated. No wonder. Let the Holy Ghost help you. Let the wings overshadow you. Oh, the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. It's because of the overshadowing of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Lord. That's right, that's right. Hallelujah, I love you, Lord. We need you. We need you today. We need you on the buses. We need you at Sunday school. Thank God for every Sunday school worker. Thank God for every bus worker. Thank God for every worker. But oh, God. With all the work, we still need the Spirit. We still need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. That's right. You're tired of doing it on your own. Trying to make it work and it's not working. And your frustration level is getting higher and higher. Just get underneath the wings of Jesus. Get underneath the wings of the Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, this let the Holy Ghost flow. Oh, I let the wings, God, overshadow me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I need you, Lord. Come on, that's right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's talk to the Lord.
give all myself to you. 